We are in Genesis chapter 11 this morning. And um, in my prayer, in my preparation, I know this message is, is not easy. But God has called me to proclaim his word and not my own ideas or not the philosophies of this world, but what the word of God says. And as we, uh, before I read from Genesis chapter 11, I just want to say that we are very much aware of the fact that we live in a world that that believes believes in evolution. I mean, it is everywhere. Our children, our schools, our universities, our seminaries are inundated with this idea of 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 evolutionary theory, and it's it's we learn of um, this theory of how how the universe came about, how biology came about, how man came about, how intellect came about, sociology, nations, and even languages. And that this all evolved over millions and billions of years. Evolution is a theory. It's a myth. It cannot be proven. And yet man wants to take this evolutionary godless philosophy and reconcile it with Scripture. But we live in a world, church, where man refuses to believe that there is a God. And that's where evolutionary theory comes from. Godlessness. It does not want to confess that there is a God. That everything we experience today, everything that we enjoy, can be explained naturally. That there's nothing supernatural about it. The Bible is a supernatural book. But the heart of man is desperately wicked and refuses to believe in the one God of the Bible. Oh, he's religious. He longs to worship. And we're going to look at that in Genesis chapter 11 this morning. But he doesn't want to worship the creator God. He wants to worship a false religion. A religion of his own imagination. 
that will embrace his choice, man's choices, man's lifestyle. And not a God who calls men to repentance. And it started in Genesis chapter 2 with Adam and Eve. Continued chapters 3 through uh, 7, 8. And God brought judgment upon the world. And God started over with eight people. But guess what? As man began to repopulate the world again, the earth, they didn't get it. They didn't learn the lesson. And uh, and so we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 9 this morning. And my message is the origin of languages. Not the origins, but the origin. It took place in one place. In one moment, instantaneously, this is what the Word of God says. And so we're going to look at that this morning, but I appreciate uh, Craig's message two weeks ago as though he looked at the table of the nations. And uh, as we look at chapter 10 and verse and chapter 11, you know, this is not in chronological order, okay? Um we looked at chapter 10 and how God divided the people into the table of nations, 70 nations uh, in Genesis chapter 10. Now, that, uh, that those nations have grown over time, but God started with 70. And, uh, and so in chapter 11, we're going to look at why there are 78, 70 nations. Uh, God explains why he divided uh, the people, why this division occurred. So today, as I said a moment ago, that what God does, what God did was unique and that he created the different languages instantaneously, just like he created... uh, just like he went through the days of creation and and created things instantaneously. Now, I know some of you are thinking to yourself, Pastor, do you actually be- believe that God did these things instantaneously? Absolutely. And I want you to know that the the apostles of the new of the New Testament did not question these things. And in fact, when it comes to the life of Jesus, I believe Jesus with all my heart, because he was there in Genesis chapter 1, he spoke these things, believes that God did these things instantaneously. And I don't have a problem with God creating things in Genesis chapter 1 and making them look mature, making them look old. Because as you look at the trees and you look at the rocks, yeah, those things are old. But you know what? Jesus did those things instantaneously on each of the six 
days. God, God created Adam and Eve mature. They were ready to reproduce. They weren't created as babies. They were created as adults. And I believe Jesus affirms Genesis chapter 1 with his first miracle in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus turned water into wine. And it wasn't just any wine. The Bible says it was the best wine people had ever tasted. Now, oh, I got away from the mic. Sorry, sorry, getting a little too excited here. Now, I know we're all Baptists in this place. But I know better than you not knowing anything about wine. How does wine... How does wine become more flavor, flavorable? See I, see, I don't know anything about wine, so I can't pronounce these words. <laughs> How can wine taste better and better? What, what is required? Age. And when God created that wine at this wedding reception, and it was the very best, it was already aged. And he did it instantaneously. And so can God create things to look old? Absolutely. But when I see the age of the universe and the age of of the earth, of Scripture, I see it as a little over 6,000 years old. And I'm not ashamed of that. And I believe that's what you want me to proclaim in this place. Now, saying that, let's look at Genesis chapter 11. And I want to look at the heart of man and what God did instantaneously uh, from these nine verses. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for motor. That is a kind of a tar that uh, a material that you would use for roofs or things of that nature. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, They are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, 
so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Today we're going to look at why they, there were the 70 nations from Genesis chapter 10. And uh, in verses 1 through 4, we see the arrogance of man. In verse 5, we see God's awareness of what they are doing. And in verses 6 through 9, we see God's reversal of uh, what man had done. Now, I want you to be aware of this, and this was something that uh, um, I was not made aware of uh, when I was studying this passage, um, that, you know, the age of the earth at this point, uh, starting from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, is about 1,750 years old. The flood took place in in, uh, 16... Uh, six, after 1,650 years where, where God created. So what we're reading here is about 100 years after the flood. And um, this division of the nations that occurred, um, we, we learn about this from uh, Peleg in Genesis chapter 10, verse 25, Peleg his name means division. And so when in the genealogy and when Peleg was born, that was around 100 years after the flood. We come to chapter 11 and things aren't going well. The people are not doing what God commanded. God had commanded the people in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1 that when they came out of the, the ark, the Bible says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Right now, they're not filling the earth. They're all together. They're one. They have one language. And instead of separating and, uh, you know, the the... The, the sons of Noah going separate ways and populating the earth, they just all stay together, refusing to obey the Lord's command. And so here we are in verses 1 through 4, and we see man's arrogance. Um, they believed that they were better off together. They were stronger together than they were separated. So they weren't going to do it God's way. They were going to do it man's way. <clears throat> what was the mind of the people um, in this passage of Scripture? I think we get a good idea of uh, what's going through the mind of man if we go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I want us to seriously consider the rebellious heart of man. 
in that uh, what's happening in Romans chapter 1 didn't just happen uh, in Paul's day when in the Roman Empire, but this is cyclical. This happens over and over again, and it's happening in Genesis chapter 11. Look at verse 18. Genesis chapter 1, Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to him to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. The people of Genesis chapter 11 are without excuse. It has been 100 years before, since God has destroyed the planet with a flood. The flood family is still around in Genesis chapter 11. They haven't died off. Noah He's 600 years old now. Noah's going to live to be 950 years old. The people in Genesis chapter 11 have the testimony, the eyewitness testimony of all who survived that ark. As they came out of that ark and as they began to reproduce and they continued to teach their children, These generations knew what God had done. They know that there is a God who can display his wrath. And yet these people are so wicked, so rebellious to God's commands that they think that they can do better. They have a better idea of what to do God does. What Paul is describing in Romans chapter 1 is seen here in Genesis chapter 11. Verses 19 through 23 of, or let's go on in verse, um, Look, verse 21 of Romans 1. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And God is going to make them ever so, so foolish by the end of this text. We see in verses 1 through 4, pride in the people. What do they say? Going back to Genesis chapter 11. Verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city 
and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They wanted a city to themselves. They wanted to build a tower, something that they could point to and said, this is what we did. And through this tower, by this tower, we can get to God and worship the God, our idol God of our own imagination. And also they say, we want to make a name for ourselves. So we see pride, we see false religion, and we see a rebellious heart. They want to do this because they don't want to be dispersed over the face of the earth and in what God had commanded us to do. You know, and as I was reading this and studying this, I'm thinking to myself, where's Noah? Why doesn't Noah have anything to say? Um, is is Noah now a small minority? Is, has Noah been silenced? Has he been canceled? Did he just throw in the towel, quit? Thinking to himself, oh, I can't believe they're doing this again. What are these people thinking and not saying anything? I don't think Noah quit. The Bible says Noah was a man of faith. And he's received his full inheritance. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, Noah's in the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. I first want to read verses 1 through 3. Just to remind us of Genesis chapter 1. Okay? Genesis, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it people of old received their commendation. By faith, listen, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that was visible. What we see did not come by evolutionary theory. Out of nothing by itself. Faith says, believes that the universe was created by the word of God. God spoke it instantaneously into existence. And church, as your pastor, I believe that. With all my heart, and Christian, young person, university student, you don't have to be ashamed of that truth, even though people are trying to cancel you for believing that. Verse 7, let's go to Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen, 
in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah is an heir. I don't know why Noah or the witnesses are not giving testimony in this passage of Scripture. They probably were, but the people's hearts were so rebellious that they refused to listen. So here we see the arrogance of man in verses 1 through 4. Verse 5, we see God's awareness. God is fully aware. Verse 5 of Genesis 11 The Bible says the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. (laughs) Think about this for a moment. You know, these people were so impressed with the temple that they were creating. Okay, This, this temple was going to have stairs that were going to go up into the heavens and they were going to commune with their little God. They're a false idol. And this temple was so huge that God had to come down to see it. Okay? He wasn't very impressed. But God is fully aware of what the people are doing. And this is what God says in verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Here in verses 6 through 9, God begins to reverse man's plan. Verse 6, he says, This is not a good thing that they are doing. Was God threatened by their rebelliousness? You know, their oneness, their unity. Was this an affront to God and that God wasn't able, God, God wasn't going to be able to control these people if he didn't nip it in the bud? Absolutely not. God realized, God knew that these people were a danger unto themselves. Evil man, left to himself, would leave mankind vulnerable in a sinful world. A unified, sinful front without constraints would jeopardize human life. Romans chapter 3, verse 15 says, Man's feet are swift to shed blood. And it just takes one wicked ruler of one people to decide who is going to be killed and who is going to survive. And they are just going to feed on one another. There would be no accountability. And the person who was 
in charge of uh, these people. His name was Nimrod. In Genesis chapter 10, verse uh, 9, the Bible says, uh, Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And that word hunter is not a good word. That word hunter means killer. Nimrod was an evil ruler. And so God is looking at these people, and God says, this is not good. There are no checks and balances. And men left to themselves will have the ability to destroy mankind. You know, we think of Adolf Hitler in uh, this last century. Adolf Hitler wanted to rule the world. And had it not been for checks and balances, had it not been for other nations coming against this evil ruler, Adolf Hitler may have very likely taken over, ruled the whole world. We could be speaking German today. But because there were nations who knew that this leader was evil and had to be taken care of, had to be erased, the world lives in peace today. And this can happen over and over again. God puts together checks and balances. When God established many nations, it was God's doing, and it was all part of God's common grace. It is God's way of keeping evil in check, justice to prevail, freedom and peace to be on the to be on the earth for people to experience. One world unity is a curse. And I want you to know, church, that that is Satan's desire. Satan wants to create one world unity, one world church with no checks and balances, and Satan is going to do it. God's going to allow Satan to do it in preparation for the Antichrist. And when that happens, according to the book of Revelation, there is going to be massive death, and all hell is going to break loose during the tribulation. So in this passage of Scripture, God sees this rebellious, the people's rebellious heart and knows that this is not good. And so in verse 7, he says, Let us go down, Genesis 11, Let us go down and confuse their language. They're one people. They're totally unified. They are not separating from each other. And so God says, well, I'll have something to say about that. And it's, notice what, what, what the Bible says. It says, let us. He's talking about the Trinity. Just like he said, they say, let us 
in Genesis chapter 1, the Godhead. We see the Godhead in Genesis chapter 11. Let us confuse their language. And he did. Instantaneously. Not over millions of years through grunts and groans and figuring out, you know, syllables and, and whatever, whatever else, how language, you know, evolved. No, he did it instantaneously. And I can just imagine, you know, there's probably a hundred thousand people uh, alive in Genesis chapter 11. In a hundred years, pastor? Yeah, probably. I mean, these people, you know, they were obeying God's commands. They were multiplying. They were being fruitful and multiplying. And they were motivated to do so. You know why? I mean, they needed help. Many hands make light work. And the more children you have, the more you can accomplish. And so there's not any disease at this time. Things are pretty much pure. And so there's a lot of people being being born. I mean, and it doesn't take a long time. Look at Jerry and, and Adele Crow. You know, they've been married 50 years. They have 18 grandchildren in 50 years. My wife wants to keep to catch up to them. But uh and and you know, with the the, the Crow family, you know, they're being careful on the number of children they, 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 they have. But this time, <laughs> they're motivated. So, yeah, there's a lot of people. And God confuses their language. You know, I was a youth pastor for 16 years. And uh, I like to, I forget the name, the name of this game. But when I would divide students up into teams... I would pass out these cards, and if I wanted, if I wanted ten teams, say I had a hundred kids in the room, and I wanted ten teams, well, I would write ten different animals uh, on cards, and so I would have, to, I would have a stack of ten, ten ha- animals uh, per team, and so I would randomly hand out this these cards. Students would look at that card. And, they they were a dog, and so in order to find the other dogs in the room, they'd have to bark, okay? Or to find the other pigs in the room, they have to oink. I think that's what's happening here in this passage of Scripture. God confuses their languages, and they're all confused, and they start speaking their own language, and all of a sudden they've got to find other people around them that speak the same language they speak. Can you imagine the confusion that's taking place in in this passage of Scripture? But God did that. God once again was reminding man who's in charge. It's not man. It's God. And so here... What God does here is instantaneous when it comes to linguistics. And then in verse 8 of chapter 11, the Bible says, So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. 
the city was done. That was not to be completed. And the Bible says that God dispersed them. In church, I believe that God dispersed them instantaneously as well. I don't know how he did it. You know, if you go to the book of Acts and, and Philip, after having witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch, the Bible says that Philip was immediately transported from there somewhere else. I don't know how God, God did it, but it was a miraculous event. And I believe it was a miraculous event here. And God took the nations, all the different languages, and put them where they belonged. And those nations have grown uh, to more nations today. But God did the scattering. And that's what we see in Genesis chapter 10, verses 5, 20, uh, 31, and, and 32. Uh, put them in their own language, by their clans, and in their nations. And God did that instantaneously. And then in verse 9 of chapter 11, we see Moses' summary of these eight verses. The Bible says, And therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. God made them look like fools. And if we go to Romans chapter 1, and God, Paul describes the people who refuse to, to believe in the Creator God, and have this rebellious heart that thinks that they know better, the Bible says they became fools as well. That's what Babylon looks like. Babel, or Babel, Babylon, is a term that means gate of God. And Babylon is known as the birthplace of false religion. Revelation chapter 17, verse 5 says, And on her forehead was written the name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes, the earth's abominations. This is what Babylon is known for. And this concept, this, this, um, what Babylon is known for is what the Antichrist is going to use. Um, in Revelation chapters, 17 and 18. It all began in Babylon and it's going to end very close to where Babylon was in Revelation chapter 20. As we conclude this message, 
let's just go back to what man wanted in the beginning. Man wanted a city. He wanted a name. He wanted a dwelling place with their idolatrous God. He said, let us, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops top in, in, in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. What man wanted in Genesis chapter 11, God is going to give to the people of God in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3.12 says this, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, Never shall he go out, and I will write on him the name of my God. I will give him that name. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. God is going to give the people of God a city of God where the presence of God is going to be for all eternity. Bible in last of verse 12 says, in my own new name. That's what I'm going to give to my people. A church it can only be done God's way. Man thinks he has a better way. And he has lots of different explanations. And those explanations to some people sound rather convincing. But that's not our God. That's not what the Word says. as God's people God wants us to believe his word and Jesus is the word and there's no other place we can go Jesus asked the disciples as people hundreds of people were leaving him thousands of people were leaving him because Jesus said some hard things and he asks his disciples, do you want to go too? And Peter speaks, speaks up. He says, Jesus, where are we going to go? You, have, you are the words of life. You are our everything. Church, believe. You won't go wrong. Noah will give testimony to this. The apostles will give testimony to this. And Jesus proved this. Let's be people of the book. Let's pray.
Father, you love all of us here in this room. Love all of us who are listening, watching online this morning. Help us to believe your words. God, oftentimes your words are hard. Your word, being obedient to your word, means consequences. But it's also accompanied by great blessing. Maybe not here on this earth, but most certainly for all eternity. You're going to put us in a new city. You're going to give us a name that we can't make for ourselves. And a name that you give us. And you're going to be there. The one and only God for all eternity. God, help us to keep our eyes on the future. And know that fighting for the faith is worth it. Father, I pray for your people here. Help them to believe you, to trust you. They're going through lots of different things right now. But just like you were fully aware of what was happening in Babylon in verse 5, you're fully aware of what's happening with your children right now. And you are there. Help them to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.